Hey guys, this is Jacqueline and this is Amiga Printer. I know it's been a minute, but uh, as some of you may know, I'm in a bit of a transition. I've actually moved and gotten a new job in a totally different area of um, the city I live in. And so it's been, there's been just a lot going on. And so I haven't really taken the time to record um, my intros for the podcast that I do have and that's really regrettable because I haven't really made time for quiet time because I need some space and some quiet to think about the intro and you know what I'm going to say and it's you know not that complicated because you know fortunately I get really amazing women and I know I say that about all the women that I have on the show but they are they are really amazing in their own unique way as far as you know the stories that they bring and how their life has changed and how their identity have changed and how that you know affected their, their business um, and I guess to be real transparent because all of this transition and I guess kind of uh, um, chaos and been going on in my life I haven't really wanted to be in a quiet space um, I've been procrastinating and every time I'm procrastinating on something that I love and really want to do, I always ask myself, why am I procrastinating? What is the real reason? Am I insecure um, about how the intro will come out? Am I feeling, you know, insecure about um, my voice or whatever it is? And I always try to like dig deep what is really causing procrastination. And I think for me this time, it's being quiet because I haven't really wanted to sit down and be quiet and take in everything that's going on. Um, I just kind of been wanting to get through it and hurry up and get through it. But the best way to get through something is to just go through it and then try to remember how amazing it's going to be when you do get to the other side. Because whenever we're in transition, it's how when you're in it, but I know once you get past it, you learn all these things. And I've definitely, through all this that's going on, I've learned a lot. And especially forgiveness has come up a lot. Empathy for others and really, you know, taking just a step back and really seeing things for what they are. Um, so as far as all that's going on, I'll share more on that later. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to writing about it. Um, I'm definitely trying to get more into writing because that's something that I used to do and I know that I haven't been doing a lot of that. Um, but as far as this podcast is concerned and this great person that has, you know, granted me the chance to interview her, I met her at the gym. Um, I was stretching and she, you know, was also stretching. I guess she was post-workout and I just thought, wow, she has a great physique. And it's just her presence was something that, again, drew me to her. I was just like, oh, wow, you know, I wanted to strike up a conversation, but I'm like, I need to leave people alone and <laughs> let them be. And what ended up happening is that she struck up a conversation. She started talking to me and giving me suggestions on how... Um, I can better, you know, stretch and I can better help myself because I did get injured and she was just kind of, you know, making a suggestion really nice and we started talking and we ended up going to lunch and meeting up because her story was so great. She is, you know, in this interview she talked about being biracial and how she grew up 
and how she got adrenaline fatigue and that affected her because she's actually um, a coach and it affected the way that she did her training and how she even thought about fitness and why she wanted to take a more holistic approach to um, working out, not just herself, but also her clients. And um, she also talks about being a peace, people pleaser and how she stopped doing that and how it really affected her because she was such a people pleaser and when she needed people they weren't really there for her um so she said even though this was a hard time in her life it taught her so much um so i really hope that you guys get a lot out of this i know i did and um i really hope you enjoy it as always this identity it's something that i really struggled with a lot because well, growing up in Asia, being in a Chinese school, I was more of the white girl, right? So being biracial, that's what stood out more in Asia. And then at 16, I moved to Ohio and I'm put into predominantly Caucasian school and now I'm the Asian. And all this time I am trying to fit into one race, one box. I'm trying to to adapt and, and be just like everyone else um, around me, you know, just to fit in, which I never really fit in. Um, and so trying to figure out like what to do with my life and everything was, I tried to fit in with what my family wanted to do as well. You know, you're supposed to go to school, you're supposed to join like corporate America, you're supposed to you know, make good money, you're, you're, you speak English, you speak Chinese, like you're very smart, you're capable. So this is what you have to do is go work for a big company. And I just, um, I wasn't even raised like, like a lot of uh, normal kids to begin with anyways. So um, it just, there's been a really long battle. And I don't think until about my mid 20s, when uh I went through kind of a burnout and was kind of forced to sit down and turn inward. Did I really, um, did I really find my identity and what I really wanted to do and what, how I wanted to make a difference in this world. And um, that's also when I decided like, I don't really have to pick a race. Like for me being biracial, I don't have to pick one side. I am both and I'm neither at the same time. I'm really just mine, right? And so once I started getting there, it, it definitely helped me. Once the whole race part of me was just like, screw it, right? Um, it helped me also into deciding my career and how I wanted to mold my career and um it wasn't like a typical job like before i was just a personal trainer and i do what personal trainers do and now it's like no i see where i want to be placed in this world where i want to help women in this world and i am going to create my job um and my uh identity to help these women and and this is what i am doing and and so it was about the mid-20s when it started with with my race yeah with my ethnicity and letting that go that's when I was able to really, I guess, come into my own and start building my own business, building my identity. Talk to me a little bit about what brought you to that point. And also, can you talk a little bit about how you came to that decision that you're both and neither? 
Okay. Um, so that point in time when I started really turning inward was when I went through an adrenal burnout. Um, adrenal fatigue, adrenal burnout is uh, basically when your adrenal glands are shot, they're just not going to, they're done working. And so your body kind of forces you to shut down. Your body's like, you've pushed me too far. And so since you're not smart enough to stop, I'm going to make you stop and I'm going to make you rest. So it got to a point where I couldn't even like stand up for 20 minutes uh, without my neck cramping or anything. I, I just have to sit down or lay down all the time. I had to stop working out for six months. A lot, a lot of my life changed. And um, a lot of the people in my life were kind of just instead of understanding they were kind of just criticizing me and then so you turn inward and you go you know I've been doing so much for everybody else I've been doing the most I can for everybody else sacrificing my energy sacrificing my time caring more for them than apparently I've cared for myself um, yet as soon as I'm in need they are just way too important for me you know and 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 suddenly like how I've helped them, they won't help me the same way, or they don't even care to ask if they can help. And it's just like, why am I living my life for all these people, putting them before me instead of, you know, knowing what I want and, and reaching for what I want. And I can't believe it took me 25 years to be this person, but I think because of always wanting to fit in, that's just, that's just the mode I was in. Right. And, and I had to build, climb my way out of it. So that's when, um, because I was basically in bed so much, I couldn't do a lot of things that I was used to. My whole identity in a way was taken away from me because I couldn't even work out anymore. And that's what I do. I, I train people, I'm in fitness. And so like, as soon as I couldn't be that person, nobody was there. And I, it just made me question and it, it brought me to a new place. Um, and how I decided to how I decided to pick neither sides of my race. Let's see. After, after, let's see, how did I come to that? That's a good question. I think it was just being tired of trying and, and after being submerged in Asia growing up and then in Ohio in my later in my teen years just trying hard no matter what to fit in but at the same time hearing like hearing my hearing Caucasian people who are friends and close to me just kind of uh bring up a sort of ignorance talking about minorities or foreigners and and letting them know that they're talking about people who are just like me, but they thought I was different just because I, I was half white, but I, I wasn't different. I, I am still a minority. I am still a foreigner in America. Um, and then realizing I'll never be like them. I think that was the loudest thing. Um, you know, I, I love my family, but I think, you know, it's like uh, sometimes, you know, we, we get place in situations like if I was dating a Caucasian guy he would end up saying something that you know would be directed towards a minority and think it would be okay to say it to me only because I'm mixed however it's not and that kind of just snapped me out of the you're never going to fit in into this group solely and looking at 
Asia, you know, every time I go back into Asia, um, I become the white girl again. And it's like, I'm too big to be Asian. Um, why do I want to look so strong type things? You have to be smaller. Um, don't be so aggressive with like what you want. Cause a man's not going to want you. And I'm just, that's not me, you know? So there's just things that I would never, I'd never fit in it. You know, I go to Asia, a lot of them are surprised I speak Chinese and, and they're just like, why do you speak Chinese? And it's like, I'm half Chinese and, and it's a surprise to them. So how I look, how I act, I just, I never, I realized I'd never fit in. It's funny how people are just so outspoken sometimes. It seems like after hearing what you're saying, um, because my daughter experienced that, it's so funny that what I got from other people, I guess, trying to either sing, single you out, right? Make you the other, mm -hmm. or make you um, part of them and trying to exclude the other part of you was more about them than it was about you. It sounds, right. it sounds like they were uncomfortable maybe, and they needed you just to be one thing because maybe yeah. they didn't understand what that other part of you meant. Um, so I think we go around with, I guess, our own ignorance of maybe being uncomfortable with something or not understanding it and needing someone to exclude that part of them so that we feel comfortable in it. That kind of makes sense. But oh, did, yeah. Yeah. But what it did for you was realize that, look, I'm not going to be what you need me to be ever. <laughs> this bothers me when you say these things because that is part of me. So what can I do now but accept who I am and that, yeah, I'm neither and both. So that makes a lot of sense to me. I loved about how your career um, kind of shifted your identity, like when you couldn't work out, for example, right? Yeah, you couldn't work tough. out. Yeah, and, and I, I can relate to that as well because for me, it's, it's not my career, but it's the way I take a lot of my stress out. Um, mm -hmm. It's the one thing that I feel that I can control, I guess, and can change. And when I didn't have that anymore, I didn't know where to go <laughs> to relieve right. like I was losing control. But can you talk to me about that point, how your business changed once you came um, to that conclusion that you were going to, you know, just do you and how that changed <laughs> and, and how it led to what you're doing now? Oh, my gosh. So... I'm like, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'll admit, I'm like a little embarrassed of how I used to be when it comes to uh, the body and, and, and exercise and fitness and all that. So yeah, I used to, let's see, before that time, I was, I went full into like the whole fitness thing. I was, you know, uh, I modeled a little bit for fitness. I was getting free supplements. I was at events, like, um, I wasn't like very successful on the Instagram thing just because like I, I didn't ever feel comfortable putting myself out there because, you know, like I felt like I was never good enough, even though I was, I was in pretty good shape. Um, so, you know, I was like, no, hit the gym every day. Like I remember my mindset then was like, I have to make clients want to work out. Like they have to work out every day. Like they have to want to come into the gym and they have to love lifting weights just like I do. And they have to always be on a diet. Like, because that's, that's how you live. And, and having a six pack is, is that's what health is. And that's how I used to think. And that's what I used to put on clients. And I'm, 
today very embarrassed about it but you know we all start somewhere so um and then you know then as I develop farther as a trainer I'm over the years I'm working I mean as a trainer you work when people don't work so you're starting at 6 a.m because people have to go into work at nine and then you're also coaching maybe a little during lunchtime and then at night as well in the evening. So you're working 13 to 15 hour days sometimes. And uh, this was in Singapore when my burnout happened. So then I have like an hour to two hour trip home or each way to work and from work. So I'm sleeping maybe four hours a night and working these long days because, you know, my client's schedules are more important than mine and I have to, you know, be there for them. Um, and, at the, you know, at first I was taking one day off a week and then it got to like me just sleeping my whole day off and I, I just was a wreck and I went through adrenal burnout to where, you know, I talked about earlier, like I basically couldn't do anything anymore. And it was because I didn't take care of myself. You know, I ended up doing four sessions a week of Cairo and not just like 15 minute adjustments. They were like 45 minute to an hour adjustments. Um, I was doing physiotherapy. I was getting a massage, like deep tissue massage every week. Um, and I really had to just go spiritual. I had to do something because I could not work out. I had to do some sort of practice. And that's when I got into Reiki practice. Um, and I did that a lot for, for those six months. Um, and then that's when a lot of self-realization happened. You know, my body kind of, I blew up. I want to say I gained, I don't weigh myself often. So I gained at least 10 kilos or like at least 25 pounds, at least. Um, in that time, I had an estrogen bloat. I basically looked, was like going through pre-menopause at 25, which is, scary for someone who's in fitness like what on, I've never had a lower belly now I have a lower belly like um, I'm gaining this weight all over I can't stop eating like everything was crazy sleep's messed up and so of course I, I figured it out I dug into a lot of hormonal books um, I educated myself with what was going on I educated myself with energy work it just became a time of education for me and that you know and and through the education you come through self-realization of how you, I've basically treated my body like crap. I've been doing so much for everyone else that my body finally gave in and was like, I'm done. And then my eyes are open to all this, this new information and, and to these, to, to seeing that actually I'm surrounded because Singapore is a big city, right? It's a very busy city. And I'm surrounded by women who are doing the same exact thing as me. They're pushing themselves so far and then they come into the gym and because they're still trying to look good for their husbands or, or just trying to get their body back or they heard to get their energy back, they have to be in the gym. And so they're going to the gym and being pushed by trainers like who are taking pride in like killing someone in a workout, having a killer workout and stuff. When these women, the last thing they need is to be pushed too far to because their, their threshold of stress is, is just totally different. Now their body just responds totally different and they keep pushing and pushing and keep gaining this weight. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like we're killing a lot of people this way. Like it is just wrong. Um, nobody is taking the time to ask them everything that is going on in their life to see really where, 
where we should start. Should we start with just walking for them? Should we start with maybe getting them more sleep? Should we start with maybe they need to talk to a spiritual coach or a therapist or something about their emotional issues first, get some of their energy back, change their nutrition, get some of their energy back so that they can work out in the gym with us better as a trainer. And nobody was doing that and instead pushing, digging a deeper hole for everyone. And so that's when I was like, no more. And a lot of people, a lot of my colleagues in the industry did not like how I was doing it. I'd get comments like, you're not pushing them in the gym hard enough. Well, you don't know what my client's going through. They don't need that right now. And, and so just everything from there started to shift because there's a whole nother group of people that do not need to just be pushed by a badass trainer in the gym. They needed more care. They need to learn how to care for themselves outside of the gym first. And that's, that's how I came up with my business. That's revolutionary. <laughs> Thank really you. About it. I mean, I mean, I'm being really honest. Um, I think we get so focused because I feel of, because of social media, especially because of Instagram on how mm -hmm. you on the outside and that yep. we realize um, that we're pushing ourselves so hard. And you're right. We're working. We're mothers. You know, we have a career. It's just, you know, there's a lot going on mentally and emotionally. And I think we try to make everything look pretty outside. And, and I'm speaking from a personal standpoint as, you know, um, being a young mother and trying to, you know, kind of climb the corporate ladder. There wasn't a mm -hmm. lot of time to focus on me. And I thought because I was working out, I think we confused the working out and our transformation being outside as us taking care of ourselves, right? Because yeah. we look yeah. a certain way and we're working out. And, um, and like I said, now with social media, it's like, okay, we're matching that, then we're winning, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it is. And I say it's revolutionary because you, you said, no, I'm not going to push him so hard because we don't know what's going out outside of, you know, working mm -hmm. on. And I know that because I'm signed up to your newsletter, I know <laughs> you come up with these um, exercises, correct? That are 15 minutes. And then when we met and started talking, you told me about that. We, you don't need to be at the gym. You're just at the gym four days a week and you really just need this. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that? And then um, I think after that, we'll talk more about, you know, your business, but kind of let sure. me know how that developed. You. Yeah, so I am like loving. I am all about quick workouts nowadays. Like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I do love the gym. I like being in the gym. That is my type of area. But it's not for most of my clients. My clients do not want to get into the gym, or they just don't have the time to be there long. Um, so, for me to customize something that they will do and stick to, it has to be quick. You know, I'm working with people, busy, busy women. So um, I love to take away the expectation and, and, and lower the barriers of getting them to work out, which sometimes is the, just going in the gym. They're, they're intimidated. They don't want to do it. They don't know how to use the gym yet. So um, I, I create a lot of like quick dumbbell workouts and bodyweight workouts that they can do at home, like with one pair, two pairs of dumbbells. And, and you can, you can get a 15 minute workout in and and really it'll kick your butt. Like I do. It's funny because when I was uh, preparing that program to launch it and that was around the time I met you and uh, I had no time in the gym that day you saw me, I was literally in there for 30 minutes. I came in, I did what you saw me do for like 20 minutes and I was out. Um, 
and it was funny. That's why when you asked me like, Oh, you must work out a lot. I was laughing because I'm like, Oh my God, I'm only working out for 15 minutes, like a few times a week now. <laughs> and, um, so it was like, it's like, good. If she, if she can see, if she can see that, you know, I'm in shape and I'm not spending hours a day. I mean, I used to be the girl that spent two to three hours a day in the gym, like six, six days a week, at least, you know? And I tell you what, I feel better and I feel healthier and I'm stronger than I was um, then doing less. Um, I get to spend more time growing my business. I get to, you know, do more things outside of the gym. And I love that it's given me that freedom. Like I have the choice of whether um, I need, I have the choice to be in the gym for a longer amount of time if I want to, but really I only need to do 40 minutes to an hour, you know, and, and I love that, that I, I've opened up so much time for myself. So that's what I help a lot of these women do. Um, I make it quick. I make it efficient. I make it simple. I'm not a fancy person um, because the foundational things to me are what makes the biggest difference. So, you know, if we don't have time, we don't need to make anything fancy, right? Like just, it's just like cooking a quick meal. It doesn't have to be fancy, but it gets the job done. It's got nutrition in it for you. So that's how I look at my uh, short workouts. <laughs> So you talked about cutting things down and making it more workable for women, right? So that it kind of like helps them with whatever their busy schedule is. Now, I know in the beginning, you had a lot of pushback from other trainers. And um, it was something that, oh, you have to push them harder. But you were thinking more about how they felt, obviously, internally and what was going on with them uh, also emotionally. Um, can you talk to me about, because I know that for me, it's really hard right now that I told you that I was injured and I haven't been able to work out. Mm -hmm. And I feel like whenever I don't work out like really hard, I didn't do anything. Right. Mm -hmm. So how did you change the mindset from going like, for example, going hard into like to shift into like, make it more, let it flow, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like I said, I did a lot of work turning inward. Um, I started digging into like why I felt I had to push so hard in the gym. Um, and, and I think everybody's reason is a little different. Uh, for me, it was proving myself, you know, like I, I, I went to school, but I didn't, I didn't get my degree. I didn't finish my degree. I honestly just I, I knew I didn't want to work for anybody. And so like, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of done learning here. Like I got the information I needed, the experience. I'm, I'm good. Um, but didn't really care about grabbing the piece of paper. Um, and that took me some years to work through as far as what that piece of paper meant to me. Um, but you know, like for me it was, you know, I didn't get that piece of paper. So I have to prove it to like my family that, um, I am making, I'm doing well in this. And that meant that I had to be the best in this. And, and so I made fitness my whole identity. And also to go back to the, the ethnicity part of it was I found a group that I was like fitting in. I was fitting in with these people who like made fitness their life um, with all these bodybuilders who, you know, a lot of them and, and, I love, I love the people I'm around all the time, but a lot of them are using that um, extreme training and way of life to cover up something, you know? Um, it's a lot harder for people to walk in the 
middle of things to walk in balance and moderation you know extreme and obsessing over a way of life or something is much much easier because it's much more clear-cut but when you find your balance like everyone's balance is different and and nobody can really truly tell you what your balance is you know i mean genetically we're different uh what we've gone through in life is different what what means what to us is different and so um I had to kind of let go of that identity and and figure out why it was so important to me and um, realize that that I'm not dependent on any one thing like that you know so it was it was hard there was a lot of like body image issues like there was a lot of change going on at this time um, yeah so but it's definitely helped me be a lot more comfortable with who I am today. I don't know if that answers your question at all, but it was a lot of digging deep, a lot of brutal honesty with myself. And uh, yeah, just, just knowing that there's different phases of life. And there are times where you can go hard in fitness, but there are times where you have to pull back. Like when when things are going a little crazy, you know, um, in life there's a lot going on, maybe pull back on the training a bit because attention is needed elsewhere. You know, we can't always have all priorities balanced out. No, I mean, they all balance out with each other, but different priorities take over at different times of our life. I don't know. Does that make sense to you? No, it does. I Especially what rang to me is walking in balance and how it is true. Going extreme is one way and it makes sense. Right. There's mm -hmm. steps to going extreme, but I think walking right. in balance, it's a very personal thing and there's nothing that we can go and research about. Right. How right. do I balance Jackie? What are the steps to balancing <laughs> out and how do I write? Um, yeah. Thing that we have to sit in the, I guess what I call the in between and kind of figure out what is needed now versus mm -hmm. uh, where are these steps? How can I research? How can I get there faster? Because I don't want to sit with yeah, and a lot of people have trouble with that because to find your balance means trial and error, which means failure, which a lot of people are okay with failing in certain areas of life, but not in others, right? So I have a lot of clients come to me for help, and, and they're a little confused at first because I'm not giving them a direct plan. I'm not being like, this is what you're going to eat. And this is what you're going to do for exercise. And these are the supplements you're going to take. And you'll be perfect. I'm not doing that. I'm going to be like, this is what we're going to try. Let me know how we feel in a week or two. Let's watch these uh, markers, you know. And then we're going to adjust from there. And then from there, we know, do we keep going this direction or do we change directions? And to them, that's like a whole, like a whole new concept with fitness and health because nobody's doing that, you know. It's, it's always eat this, do that, and then you're good. <laughs> but then they end up, you know, rebounding and, and not being able to sustain it because it's not for them. So, yeah, trial and error. It's, it's, it takes time and patience. <laughs> and I think we're not always in a place to be able to sit in it. It's kind of, right. you have to be ready, which I think it's so important to have support and really look for support. And I think finding someone like you is very helpful. Someone that's gone through it, someone that's come to a point where they realize this is what they need and this is how we're gonna work it out. And I, in those moments, I think it's so important to realize when we need support, when we can't do it on our own and to be able to reach out to those people that can help us. 
Absolutely. I think that's important. I want to shift um, the conversation a little bit because I feel that with transition, with identity, with having all these questions, also the question of making money comes up. And Mm -hmm. I think we also have to shift that mindset, at least, you know, through my research and myself, I realized that the reason it's been hard for me to really live my purpose or my dream is that my money mindset is still like the only way I can make money is this way. And from talking Mm -hmm. with other women, they deal with that too. So how did Mm -hmm. you get to a point where you can charge, you can do those sales, you can talk about your business and kind of get comfortable. Was there a money mind shift that you needed to do? And like, how did you deal with that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think, First, I am very uh, lucky to have grown up in an entrepreneurial family. You know, I grew up in family business. So, and when you grow up in family business, you're working the business from, from whatever you can do from cutting onions at a young age. And we had a scuba diving business. So I was, and I was carrying tanks or cleaning equipment. It was really cool. I got to see like what it really takes to run a business and, and really have your own thing. Like, the freedom that comes with it, but also the hard work that's put into it. And so that's always been um, instilled in me. All my family, was pre- they're pretty much business owners. Um, so I'm lucky to have that. Uh, what I didn't have was the abundance mindset at first. I, have, I had a real problem with like money equals like power and not good power, but like bad power and evil. And and uh, and that's because I saw a lot of people around me with money that uh, were miserable. <laughs> like here I am as a broke kid, having the time of my life, living the life, going to a beach in the ocean every weekend. Um, you know, sometimes shoes weren't always fitting, and and neither were my clothes. But that's okay because I was happy, like running around and and living in paradise. Um, a lot of times, and then these people, you know, they had chauffeurs and everything, and they you know, um, got to buy like $50 t-shirts, which I thought was crazy at the time. And, and, uh, they were sad. They, they, you know, maybe didn't get enough love from their parents or stuff like, or they just were on antidepressants all the time, or maybe even suicidal. So to me, money used to be like a bad thing. It used to be evil. Um, so that, you know, I kind of just had someone tell me, you know, Hey, you know, just start, I don't know why someone had to tell me this. I'm, I'm usually pretty good with like changing perception, but I guess it was so rooted in me. And she was like, look, just start looking for the good money you can do. And good people are going to start coming with good power, with lots of money. And you'll start seeing what good it can do. And then you won't, you know, then to so that release a block. Cause I did start seeing those people. Um, and this was probably when I was like 22. So I did start coming across good people with money who were doing amazing things with money. Um, and that was like, okay, that means if I make, I'm, I don't need to be scared to make a lot of money now because I'm not going to be evil with it, you know? Because I, I really had that fear in me for some reason. Like, I always told myself, I was like, I don't want to be too rich because uh, that means I'm going to be really sad and, and, and my kids are not going to be happy. Like, I, I always had that thought in my head and, and that got in the way. So when that happened, that was great. Um, and then, you know, working starting in the PT field, personal training field, it, you, you have to learn how to do sales, right? You have to close clients. 
And I remember the first gym I worked at uh, was right after I got my cert and the owner had really just opened this branch and I was pretty much the only trainer there most of the time. And here he is like coming in for an hour or two every day and he's like trying to teach me sales and, and he's like, okay, well your rate is going to be $80 an hour. Um, and they're going to buy a package of 36 sessions from you. And so I think, I believe it's like 2,880 was the price of that package. And I was like, nobody's going to give me almost $3,000. Are you kidding me? Like I'm this, I'm this like 20, 21 year old girl who like doesn't quite have any experience in the gym yet. You know, like I was a gymnastics coach, but I had no experience in the gym. I didn't know exactly everything about weights. I was, I didn't feel educated enough. Right. And so when I was pitching like the package, I'd be like really quiet. I'd be like, and that's going to be uh, 2880 and, you know, like real shy about it, like not owning it. And then of course sales was struggling because I had no faith behind that price. Like I really felt like um, I didn't deserve that. And then finally one lady and I love her cause she's still, she's still with me in my business today. Um, she just, she was like, all right, I need it. Um, let's do it. You know, she had already made up her mind before even meeting me. So thank God for that. And, and then I closed another. And as I like started working with a couple clients and seeing like the difference I can make in their lives and hearing them tell me, oh my gosh, you're really helping me so much. Oh my gosh, I feel better. Look how much stronger I got. This is crazy. That's so cool. I lost inches. Like after they started telling me that I actually do change people's lives and I do, I did start, um, realizing that, you know, I am making a difference. I am serving people. I am providing a good service to people that, that it's going to make a difference for them until all that was backed behind the price, then sales was easy because then I didn't have to sell it anymore. It was just, look, I can help you and this is what you have to do. And, and you don't feel guilty because you're not just taking someone's money. You are helping somebody and that's simply just the price for it. And so that was the first shift with sales was, was knowing that you really are doing good for someone. Um, and then the second one was really, uh, you know, having the abundance mindset and not being scared to be like, look, here it is. Um, this is my price. And if you want my help, this is what I can do for you. And I have a problem telling someone if I, if I see their case and I, I don't think I can help them, I don't have some, a problem telling someone, you know, let me refer you to someone else. Cause I don't think I'm the person for you. Um, but I will be, if I know I can help them, I go, okay, this is what I charge. Um, basically take it or leave it. Like I don't, I didn't feel like I had to make deals anymore or anything because if, if I discounted myself, that means I am scared that there's no one else that's going to come my way. But I know that there are a ton of people out there who would want to work with me and who would pay me and be grateful for my service because I, it's happened before. And I do deserve that because I have put time and energy into learning this, into mastering what I do. And so once I really had that like abundance mindset of not being scared to let someone walk away from an offer, like a sale, then, then it just became really easy. And also the desperation that, that used to come with like 
being scared to lose a sale, that that's felt. As soon as I sense it, I walk away from buying from anyone. I don't know if you're the same way, but like as soon as it's like, okay, 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 what if I take 20% off? Then I'm like, oh no, then I really don't. I really just don't want to buy from you because that means you weren't really at like giving me your full true value at first for some reason. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now you're just yeah. cutting it down. So is it you mm-hmm. that's not worth it or is it what you're selling that's not worth it? Right. Yeah. yeah. So. so I guess what you're saying is kind of know your value, really learn what you're providing and then mm-hmm. know that it's worth the price and learning um, whether you're able to help this person or not and being able to walk away and then realizing that there's going to be more. Like if you let go of this, it doesn't mean like nothing else will come. There will be more things to come your way. Absolutely. Like when I started raising my rates, I, when I had my burnout, I did a couple things. I told my clients that I need two days in a row off. So I need Sunday and Monday off um, and that their schedules are going to have to work around that. And that also I'm going to be raising my rates because I cannot work as many hours as I've been working. And I thought that I would lose a lot of business and a lot of money from this. Okay. So I went from at that point 80 to 120 um, an hour. And then I told them this and the funny thing was, was that they stayed and they worked with me because I, you know, had clients that cared for me and I, and I'm lucky in that aspect. Not, not all the time everybody stays, but like the thing is, is that if they don't like that, you have to do that to take care of yourself. Then do you really want to work with those people and do you really need them? Because now you're increasing your rate, right? You don't really need as many clients as you did before. So, um, that let me help take care of myself and also realize like, um, I can either work with people who pay me more and really appreciate and are grateful for what I do for them or people. And it's funny because, you know, when you start doing the rates and people who pay less are usually the more difficult people that I come across <laughs> and they are like always trying to bargain and it's so funny because if you start at like 50 it's so funny okay my friends I, I talked to this girl who was charging $30 an hour and she um she was like yeah and you know they're so unwilling to pay and blah blah, blah. and and I was talking to her she's a yoga teacher because one of my old clients wants to start yoga and and I was like how long have you been in this industry and she's only four years and I was like, oh my gosh. And she's here, she's charging less than like someone who hasn't been certified yet, who's just kind of trying it out. And I'm like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell my client that you charge $80 an hour. And she's like, but I can't even get people to pay 30. And I'm like, you're going to charge her $80 an hour and you're going to raise your rates and you don't need as many clients to do it. And she's like, oh my gosh. Like after she did it, she was like, nobody complains anymore. The people I have, they don't complain about the rate anymore. They're just like throwing money in my hands. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you're attracting a whole different type of people. You know what I mean? So you raising rates, you can't go too high to where nobody's buying, but you can't go too low to where you're attracting the wrong type of people as well. You have to find a sweet spot. And that's a lot of times higher than what a lot of trainers or coaches are charging. 
So that's what I find. <laughs> so I, we actually have to, I know that we're coming to a close, but I guess my question is for someone that's starting out, right? Not, not just in the fitness, but I guess in business, how do you, what would be your mm -hmm. advice to them? Because they, you know, just like your friend, she's like, oh, I don't think they'll pay, but she, she's four years down the line. What would you say to new business owners that are starting that may feel like they can't charge or they don't have enough experience? What would you say to someone just starting out? Um, so rates are hard, but you, you just find a market rate to start with just to go with a number to start with. Um, Cause you should at least be charging market rate if you, and, and if you don't feel like you're, you're, you have the worth behind that rate, that is the market rate right now, then start making a list, start thinking back and making a list of all, all the people that you've helped doing what you do and the success that they come through. You can even call them up. I mean, like, like, uh, like I'm in fitness and nutrition, but people have called me for like, um, spiritual advice type of things like self-realization advice getting through the next phase of their life and if I call them up because they had called me before and we had talked spent time talking about it and I say what did I do for you um, how did I help you that's a win and that's experience and if you if you go back in history and into your history enough and, and gather enough wins and you tell yourself holy cow I'm actually pretty good at this and I actually do help a lot of people with this stuff that's going to give you more confidence behind your rate, right? And another thing is, if, is that you just can't think of it, just start, you know, just start helping people. Like you're not charging them now. So just pick somebody every day to go like for coffee with and, and do what you do with them. Uh, you know, help them however, whatever way you're trying to help people. And then just be like, uh, ask for a little feedback. Do you mind? Cause I want to start my own business. Do you mind if, you know, maybe you give me a really short testimonial on how, uh, talking it out helped, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then all those, you got to take the little wins and build them up and, um, and especially the big wins and, and put that behind your rate. And then from there, as you, as you gain more confidence, as you become more educated in your field, you can start bumping up your rate. Um, as your demand goes up, you can start bumping up your rate as well. So that's, that's how I usually help, uh, some of my friends do it. I love that. <laughs> I'm taking notes for myself over here. Oh, yay. <laughs> so, um, finish up, but I definitely want you to, um, tell people where they can reach you and where they can, um, find you on social media. Of course. Okay. So uh, you can find me on Instagram at Carrie Lee, which is C-A-R-I underscore L-I. Um, I'm also on Facebook as Coach Carrie Lee. So it's spelled the same way. Um, you can also go to CoachCarrieLee.com. If you go to freebies, I have some 40-minute workouts on there for you that are free. Um, I have a little home booty workout as well if you want a home workout. Um, there are also 15-minute workouts up there. Uh, so lots of free stuff. Um, I write a lot about adrenal fatigue. If it's something that you think you're going through, um, I put some stuff up there on that as well in my blog post. So yeah, or just hit me up, hit me up on Instagram. <laughs> I'd love to meet you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It was really great talking to you and we'll have to, we'll have to get together again soon.
I'm excited for you.